This is Mouth Media Network, your inside voice. Hi, I'm Dr. Rob, CEO and founder of Oculus Beauty Labs. And to me, it's a matter of intuition. Always be looking. I'm Kelly Kovac, the founder of Beauty Matter. Inspiration matters. It is the fuel for creative minds that often happens in unexpected ways. It opens us up to new possibilities that transcend our ordinary experiences. Unfortunately, we live in a culture obsessed with measuring and quantifying talent and ability. The role of inspiration is often overlooked, but it's the springboard for creativity that leads to disrupting convention and traditional industry categories with radically new ideas. Rob Acridge, aka Dr. Rob, the founder and CEO of REA Innovations, is creating risky, extreme, and addictive products and brands like Opulous Beauty Labs. Dr. Rob is the embodiment of science and creativity. He has an innate ability to harness inspiration and translate it into innovation that can be commercialized. And this has been his unique recipe for success. So Dr. Rob, I'm so excited to have you as a guest on the podcast so we can dive into your new venture, Opulous Beauty Labs. Excited to be here. So I feel like everyone in the industry knows you. But for our listeners outside beauty, I'd love to share your background and how you found your way into becoming a beauty pioneer, because that's not where you started, and really a pioneer in the device category with Clarisonic. That's correct. But it started, I have a, such a diverse background. It's really crazy. Well, will you share it with us? Oh, sure. <laughs> so actually, I, actually, I am a scientist. I have a background in many different areas. One is, uh, for example, biology and botany and infectious disease, immunology. I have a PhD. I've done years of work on AIDS vaccines. That was back in the 90s. Actually, after working on medical research for over, I think, 30 years, I actually went into working with Sonicare Toothbrush as a senior scientist, worked on gingivitis, periodontitis, learned all about the bacteria of your mouth and how it's all in balance and what Sonic technology can do. Then I was asked to start another company. Uh, we sold it to Philips to create a product called Clarisonic. That was a huge hit, and it was a global brand, and we sold that to L'Oreal. And I worked for L'Oreal for six years, where I was the global head of the brand and used to fly all over the world launching it. And then I decided I wanted to do something else, and that's where we started with uh, Opulous Beauty Labs. As you mentioned, the Clarisonic business was sold to L'Oreal in 2011. And so for many entrepreneurs, an exit to a strategic is sort of the holy grail. But I often think that they don't often realize what that entails, sort of after the fact, selling your baby, so to speak. You stayed there until 2018. Can you share just a little bit about, for founders contemplating this type of exit, are there any tips you can share or like, how do the dynamics change? Yeah, I can share some tips that I always tell people to ask if they want to start a company. What do we do? And I always say, well, how are you going to exit? And they go, what? We don't have a brand yet. I said, yeah, but you need to know ahead of time. How are you going to exit? Is it going to go ahead and have become publicly traded IPO? Or is it going to be something where you have a VC come in and you flip it for another price? Or is it something where you actually just keep it and pass it down to your children's children's children and keep going a private brand? Or is it selling it to a larger corporation? Now, when you actually create a brand that becomes part of the United States, 
that's totally different than a brand that needs to be global. And to have for a small company, anybody out there, if you have a small company, you need a different system or systems in place in order to become a truly global brand. And that's what the big ones like the L'Oreal's and the Estee Lauder's of the world and other brands, Unilever, et cetera, they all have those infrastructures in place. So the emotional side is that you've taken this baby, as you described your brand, and you've grown it. And then there reaches a point where you don't own the baby anymore. It's about the customer owning the baby. They're the ones that really define how they view your brand and what you should do next. If you really listen to the consumers, which is what we're doing at Oculus Beauty Labs, we're listening to what they're telling us and where we should go. And I think we've got some great things coming up. But the thing is, is that you also have to realize when the larger corporation acquires it, they have certain systems in place for production. that are totally different than what you have. And your, your baby's basically gone off to college and you're actually waiting to see what happens. And it can be a huge success or it cannot be. And you have to just say, okay, they bought that company and that's what they wanted to do with it. And it meant something to their portfolio and good luck. But I did something that was really weird. Also, I stayed for six years at L'Oreal because to me, it's my personal PhD in global beauty. I actually learned a lot from L'Oreal and able to determine how they function and what they look for in brands and how you become part of this larger network and what that entails, the financials down to the marketing. So amazing experience. Well, and you certainly have wasted no time taking that sort of learning and applying it into your next venture. And honestly, I think that you've really have another groundbreaking beauty innovation on your hands. What was the white space you identified that you were building into this time around? And what is Opulous Beauty Labs exactly? The way I would describe it is if you were to imagine a brand where you could open a forever cosmetic jar and every day you would have something different, something to excite you, to wow you. It's a personal one dose product. And the next day, as your skin's changing, you can try and put something different into this jar that transforms before your eyes. It gives you this excitement at every sense, your taste. It smells different. The textures are different than anything you've experienced. There are actives in there that are not commonly together because you freshly activated those right before your eyes. That's the vision and that's what we're doing at Oculus Beauty Lab. So this all started in a very fancy chocolate shop where I was looking at all the different types of chocolate candies. And if you've ever gone to a chocolate shop, you know that each one is sort of like its own work of art. It's very beautiful. It has a different surface. You open it and there's different types of fillings. It could be, you know, a cream or it could be a marshmallow or it could be whatever. And I thought, you know, each one is a different experience for taste, different for fragrance, for texture. Why can't cosmetics be this way? Why can't you actually create these individual doses for consumers using cosmetic ingredients to give them an experience they've never had before? Because when you look at, you know, innovation, quote unquote, over the years, it's always been a jar with some kind of cream, with some kind of active, with some kind of label for marketing that differentiates it from all the other jars, with all the other actives, with all the other creams. And if you could create a brand that excites you again, that's luxurious, that touches on all your senses to give you an experience that you can't get anywhere else, I feel that that's true innovation. Were you looking for another idea? Did you know you were going to start another business? Uh, yeah, I was excited about doing something different, totally different than what I was doing. What was really bizarre is that after we sold Clarisonic, 
I actually started dreaming in technicolor again. I hadn't realized that all my dreams had been black and white because for 15 years, all I thought about was sonic technology. And then I had this freedom to dream again, to have imagination, to create. My dreams were like for five days were this vivid technicolor dreams, which I rarely have. And so that just gave me the freedom to start thinking in a different way, reimagining beauty. And that's what we're doing at Populous Beauty Labs. We're reimagining the way people handle, see, and use their cosmetic products. So since we have to describe it because we can't see it, it's a device, right? Because I think we need to explain it for people to really understand how groundbreaking it is. Yes. So there's really two innovations. And I would say the primary and the key innovation is the genius chemistry. So if you would imagine in your mind a standalone product that looks sort of like a chocolate, it has the harder shell on the outside, and inside there's some kind of filling. We call that the coat and the core is the filling. The coat is actually made out of cosmetic ingredients that stand firm to protect the core, the center. And then you can take that individual single dose, what we call an opule, it's a new word, and you actually put it into an activator, an Oculus activator. You take the lid off, think of it as a jar, a long cylinder jar, it's very elegant, it's got a gold band on it. You open it up, and when you open it up, it exposes a bowl in the center, and then you put the opule in there, and then you just close the lid like you would do any cosmetic jar, and you turn it on. And what happens, there's this process of thermally blending the product, it's, you basically have crushed the opule into a flat bowl. You rapidly heat it and then you slowly mix it because there is a blade, a trifold blade is what we call it, in the lid. And then it slowly mixes the two phases, which are semi-liquid, semi-solid at this state because of the heat. And then in the last 10, 15 seconds, it rapidly blends it to create this sheer force that brings both parts together to give you a final cosmetic product that's warm to the touch and is better absorbed because of the warmth. And people think of it as spa experiences. They tell me they think of it as, you know, something that they've never experienced except at a spa. And the thing is that you can do this at home. The most interesting thing to me was it is definitely not a DIY experience. It is almost like you have your own little manufacturing facility in your bathroom. It's so cool. And the device itself is beautifully designed. Like you've thought of everything. Even cleaning it is easy. Like it truly is a completely different way of experiencing a product. Yes. And because of the chemistry, because of the coat and the core, we can put actives in the coat and actives in the core that aren't usually compatible, but they're suspended there waiting for you to, you know, activate them to get freshly activated beauty by just placing one into the activator. And because of the, the chemistries are different in the coat and the core, we can modify those to basically come up with final products that look like serums or look like moisturizers or face masks or body products or hair products. So by having that new chemistry, we're able to then have all types of beauty. So that was our biggest challenge is where do we focus? I mean, we could create hair products, we could create body products. So we went down the line of skin treatments. And I know you know this, Kelly, because you've used the product. But we said, what's the biggest ingredient out there? That over the years, and it's retinol. For 40 years, retinol has been the best anti-aging active out there. However, it has challenges. So we thought, okay, how can we make this easy for the consumer? Because usually you have to get your skin used to the retinol through a process called retinization, and you get red and dry and flaky, and people just give up. 
and the doctors tell them, oh, you just mix it with a little more moisturizer or you skip every night and they give you this really complicated routine for retinol. And they said, no, we have this wonderful thing called an opule that has the coat and the core. We can make retinol opules and we can make opules that have soothing, calming, you know, ingredients in them, such as allantoin. And we can actually use those in a box in which we create like a box of chocolates, quote unquote, in which you have 28, four weeks worth. All you have to do is go to the first night and put the first one in and that gives you a retinol dose. But the next two or three nights is your calming, soothing, RHR is what we call it. And basically it's just calming your skin. And so then after you get through with that, you just go through the four weeks of, of usage and your skin has become uh, used to the product, used to retinol. And then you can either go up in concentration to the next regimen that we have, which has a slightly higher concentration. And then you can go up to the final regimen that we have, which we call R3, because retinol, it takes about 90 days to get retinization to really be, your skin go through the process and really get accustomed to retinol. Retinols first, but we know that we're going to be able to create all types of things going forward uh, in the beauty industry. I think another interesting thing is that you've taken, like so many people approach innovation or sort of personalization by throwing technology at it, algorithms and proprietary this and proprietary that. And I feel like you've actually gone the other way around and simplified everything. And in the simplification of sort of the product itself and, and almost the pairing back, you've arrived at something even more innovative, which is so fascinating. I'm so happy you said that. Now, the thing that I think is amazing is that... With an ingredient, you know, so many people are chasing like the new exotic ingredients and you've also focused on a tried and true ingredient. And the thing that I think is amazing is that if you go back and look at the complexity that's being generated in, as you said, in new innovation, it's usually linked to some wireless Bluetooth, something or another that can give you your, your status of your skin or whatever. People don't want that. We're trying to be in tune with the consumer. What do they want? They want their skin to look better. How do you give that to them? How do you overcome the obstacles that they see every day when using an active like retinol? And we try to simplify it, but still use technology to give them something different so that they can just use it every night in their bathroom and not have to worry about, oh, do I put this on or do I put that on? And do I link it to my phone? And what is my phone telling me about my skin? People don't want that. People want, especially in the luxury world, people want cutting edge, but they want something that they can just fall in love with. And I think at Obvious Beauty Labs, we've done that. I think you absolutely have. And I don't know if you contemplated sustainability because it is a luxury proposition, which, you know, I also feel like there aren't many luxury launches these days. Everyone is sort of hyper-focused on how cheap can we make something. I was selling luxury goods way before I could even afford them <laughs> in college. <laughs> so I have, there's always a place for a luxury proposition. But, and so it's packaged as such, right? But there is sort of a stripping down of the package as well, because there is no packaging of the product itself. Right. So one of the challenges we have with Oculus B Labs are the opules, the coat and the core. People think that the outside of the opule is plastic. There's no plastic, there's no pods. Those are actual cosmetic ingredients that stand alone to protect everything. So that's the first sustainability approach we have. You don't have to have it in a jar to keep it preserved. And we place it into a nice box, an elegant box. 
And we've actually wrapped them in little pieces of, they call them a little cradle, so pieces of paper so that you don't have to worry about that. So we try to minimize plastics as much as possible. Obviously, the activator has plastic in it, but that's a long-term product. So it's like your forever cosmetic jar in which you can continue to use it. And you're not throwing it out every three months like would normally happen with most cosmetic products. So there really is nothing like what you've launched And you're also very well-versed in what it takes to bring a beauty product to market. But you've, in this concept, redefined the concept and form of how a product's being delivered. You know, were there any unexpected challenges? I mean, you know the industry, you have connections. Theoretically, if it could be made, you would be able to find someone to make it. Exactly. So we went around. So first of all, when you're starting your company, for those out there that are, Usually you go to a contract manufacturer and you say, hey, you know, I really want to start. I have this grandmother's recipe or something that you, whatever your angle is. And you say, I want you to create this for me. And they go through this development process where they show you prototypes of formulas, et cetera. I went around to, I don't know how many contract manufacturers and say, hey, we have this thing called an opule. It has a coat and a cord on it. They stare at me and they think, we don't do that. We fill jars and tubes and bottles and we put lids and labels on them and we send them out. And it's like, we found one person that said, oh yeah, we can do that. Well, you have to build your own separate room for you inside our facility. We have to get your own equipment. You have to train your own people. You have to have your own regulatory affairs person. And he literally said, why don't you just do this yourself? And so when it comes to true innovation, it's difficult. And so the thing is, we are making these opules. We make them 20 minutes away from my house. I'm talking to you from my home. We've actually had to hire our own production people and our own production line and get our own equipment. But the thing is, since it is luxury, we're giving consumers more than your standard filled jar. These are like crafted and they're precise and we have to know how much retinol goes into them. So they're all weighed. And so it's this precision cosmetics that doesn't exist, I don't think, in this world of beauty in the sense that we can give these single dose opioids to people. No, you know, I'm finding more and more with concepts that are launching that are truly innovative, a lot of it has to do with how things are manufactured, or if it's personalization, there has to be a vertical component just to actually be truly able to deliver on that. And so, you know, I think a lot of people don't realize what it takes to bring a truly innovative product that doesn't exist to the market, because very often it requires changing the current supply chains. It does. And I was saying earlier, is that before we got on, is that who would be stupid enough to start a new luxury brand in the middle of a pandemic? <laughs> uh, I guess that's me. The thing is, is that we've been you know, challenged with for the activator supply chain parts and pieces and tariffs and all those things. And we're actually assembled them here in the United States. The parts, of course, come from all over the world, and that's been a challenge. I mean, you look at the ports, they're filled with container cars that can't get unloaded, and we're having to deal with all those, but we're making it happen. And I think that's the key thing is that if you're a true entrepreneur, you find workaround ways, you figure out how to make it happen, even if the world's against you. Thinkers, innovators, experts generating ideas for the business of beauty. Beauty Matter has built its reputation as a must-read resource for beauty industry insiders, delivering future-focused insights and actionable solutions. 
With the speed of innovation and increased competition in the category, access to the right analysis and intelligence is more critical than ever. Make an investment in yourself and unlock a competitive edge with a subscription to Beauty Matter. Head over to beautymatter.com to check out our content. And as a listener to our podcast, use the code UNLOCK25 for a 25% discount. The term innovation gets thrown around so much that I feel like it's sort of become meaningless. But there are some people that just look at the world differently. And I think you are a true innovator. You know, launching a pioneering concept is one thing, but commercializing it is sort of something totally different. Can you share a little bit about how you build a culture of innovation in a team to first get buy into an idea that doesn't exist? And then how do you propel the idea into a business that scales? Because it really does require a culture. Right. It does require a culture. And the thing is, is that historically, I know how teams are formed and you can either go out and get teams that are young and have very little background in what you're going to do. And that's fine if you have time and you have the money. And you, you brainwash them. <laughs> basically, yeah. And that's what a lot of the big companies do. They go to the campuses and they find these you know, bright stars and they bring them in and they show them their way, right? You can do that. And we've done that uh, in the past with other companies that I've been associated with. But in this case, I wanted a more senior team, people that have been in the beauty industry or have worked on production lines and know devices like the ones that we create. And actually, we call this an appliance because it's not really a device we put on your skin. It's actually the first cosmetic appliance. We need to have people that can actually build these small little miniaturized appliances. And we've, I found a team from Clarisonic that have already had experience with me and it didn't take much convincing. Uh, they knew me. Where I have to convince people is when you actually go out uh, to the next point, commercialization and funding and go out to talk to angel investors and convince them that this idea is going to work. I do have the advantage of people knowing me in the industry. But I think the one thing that anybody out there that's creating and taking money from angel investors, you really need to look at it as their money is more important than your money. So I'll say that again. Their money is more important than your money, and you have a responsibility not to squander it. It's one thing if you blow all your money away, but you can't do that with other people. So, and the thing is, you're going to have to go back to those people. People think, oh yeah, angel investors gave me money and it's over with. Well, no, as you scale up, you know, you're going to need to have more equipment. You're going to have more people. So you're going to have to go to several rounds of asking angels to invest in you until the point where you get to go to the next level, which are banks and VCs, et cetera, as you get more sales in. We're at the stage that we're beginning. We have a scrappy little team. They all work very, very hard. And we are creating things that people have never done before. And the fact that we can use our imagination and say, hey, let's create this face mask and let's make it do this and that and the other. And people try them and they, they just get so excited. And when you get that excitement, it's just sort of feeds on itself and everybody gets around it and everybody wants to try it. And that excitement is what really propels you to have a team that's solid, the people that they believe in it and they believe in the concept. Is it also important to have a culture in a business like that, that sort of allows for failure and to learn from failure? 
Oh, totally. I mean, even with, you know, the advantage of having a senior team is if you, if you see yourselves going down a path, you can immediately say, wait a minute, we've done this path before in our history, in our past, we can course correct. But there's always going to be things that pop up and it's like, well, this is what the universe has given us and we've got to figure out how to get around it. And that's the, the fun part is like, I mean, it sounds terrible because let's say, for example, a part is not able to come in from pick a country, China, and we can't get it in in time. Where else can we get those parts? Where else can we find a, a way around that? Is there another vendor somewhere in the world that makes them? And then you have to do your you know, searches and stuff. So yeah, you have to have failure because the only way your product's going to get better and better and better is by having those little failures that say, okay, we got to tweak this differently. You know, that goes through everything. Talking to people in the digital space, making sure you're listening to your customers and they're giving you feedback and you're responding into it, to production and making sure that you have the production line efficient and it's actually giving you the right number of units that you need to fulfill your orders. All of that stuff. I don't know if you know this, but we went on Oculus. We launched and we sold out of our first group and now we've got another order coming in. And so we're another group of activators. And so we now have another offer to early adopters because we're having these waves of products coming in. It also is linked to the supply chain and our ability to get parts in. And so we're just making it happen. One of the things about white space opportunities that makes them so elusive is that sometimes the difficulty in defining them can be underestimated. You've launched a product that literally there's no vocabulary for what it is. So what is your strategy for building the brand and the adoption for the product? I would imagine that this sort of like having to sell it in spurts is giving you the ability to learn in a way that you may not have been able to. It does. And that's actually a good thing, especially if anybody's ever worked with appliances. Uh, they know that there's always going to be inherent challenges with those. And we can always modify and tweak and figure out ways to correct them as we go forward. Uh, it's just the way it is. But as far as this brand overall, it's all about education. Because as you said, it's a new vocabulary. What's an opule? What's an activator? What's freshly activated beauty? What's peak potency? These are all terms that we use internally. We know them really well, but to the consumer, they don't. And so just like with my other past histories, other things that I've been associated with, you have to educate. And a lot of that has to do with demonstration, which is challenging right now because we can't actually put it on your skin and show you in a, in a department store, which has also influenced the way we launched the brand because we now have to do a lot more video to the consumers, trying to teach them that way. We're not going into brick and mortar. When we first launched, it's all digital, direct to consumer. That shifted. We were originally going to go into high-end retail uh, stores. I guess the best thing is that we have to have education and we have to have some validation. And that validation has always come from professionals. And we already know that doctors love this. We know estheticians do. So you can see us going forward. We'll be interacting with them, working with them. And the great thing about having those partnerships is that we can actually create things for those people. I mean, we could, if there's another brand out there that wanted to associate with us, we could create opules under that brand name and then put it into our activators to give their consumer a different experience. So I think that education and validation through professionals and also research. We actually, I don't know if you know this, when you create a new technology or new innovation, you need to first make sure that it's safe. Safety is the most thing. If it's not safe, you can't use it. So we've done safety studies. We've done patch test analysis with the different formulations 
we know that this product with the retinol and the RHR, they're locked in. They're beautiful. They actually do give you results. So we know that. But going forward, we'll always be looking at other ways to measure our product's efficacy. And that could be everything from absorption into the skin to looking at before and after images to consumer preference. All those things will add to, and of course, the testimonials from our own consumers. We have to have those. And we're at the baby stage right now. We're still just launching. We're getting feedback, you know, and so... As you'll see us going forward, we'll have more studies, we'll have more interactions with the professional world, and we will actually hopefully educate the consumer enough that they'll want to run out and acquire Oculus Beauty Labs. Well, you know, one of the things that I find interesting is that with brands that are truly sort of innovating in form or manufacturing, a byproduct of that is almost a secondary business, which is a B2B arm. So you mentioned that you could produce products for other people. I was recently talking to someone in the UK that's developed a 3D printing manufacturing process at scale for gummy supplements. And same thing. So there's the brand and then there's sort of the manufacturing ability to do it for others. So it's almost as if you're building two businesses. You are. And that's, and the challenge with that is getting back to our earlier conversation is exit strategy. Because what happens is oftentimes you'll find that these large corporations, they've done something a certain way and they, they're not as flexible. And so now you're giving them a new process that they have to absorb and modify to fit what they normally do. We're creating these new, we do have two businesses. We have our actual brand and R&D, but we're also having the production side. And as far as partnerships, you know, with other brands, that's going to be a given. And we've done that in our past with other brands and we'll do the same in the future. So you've talked about exit strategies a number of times when building brands. So what does success look like for this business? What is your exit strategy? So what an exit strategy would look like for Oculus Beauty Labs would be a larger company would acquire us and allow us to do what we do best, which is please our consumers, give them something that excites them, that gives them this uh, thrill again when it comes to cosmetics. I think that's the other thing, cosmetics overall and brands have become sort of mundane. It's not really anything exciting. You know, when you talk about brick and mortar retail, what was exciting about that was the theater that comes with that, you know, name a retailer, name in Marcus, you know, and then everybody gets so excited. Our brand has that every day. Uh, we want to create that excitement. And so we want to be able to continue to do that because that's the magic formula. This reimagining beauty is what gives us an edge up on the other people that have tubes and bottles and jars. And we want the person that acquires us, the group, to allow us to continue to do that because that's what would separate us. Yeah. I mean, I can only imagine what this brand would look like in retail. It kind of brings to retail what is so needed, which is kind of an animation and a way to connect with people that is goes beyond opening a jar and slapping it on. <laughs> Imagine going into a retailer and you have a U-shaped glass counter that someone is standing behind and it's like a jewelry case where there's this wraps around you. Every so often there's, it's divided up into hair care, into skin care, into body care, and, and you can actually go around and shop and the beautiful person behind the counter would select out your opules and create your own box of customized beauty, wrap it in a beautiful bow and present it to you as if it's a very precious gift, which is it is, and you would be excited. I mean, I've actually had men tell me, oh my goodness, I, you know why I love this product? 
because I can just buy a box of these opioids for my significant other and I don't have to worry about it. I can never give her or him skincare. Well, and it's also the thing I love about it is like there's this human connection, right? So like we were talking about so much of it is like based on technology and apps and it's almost like going into that chocolate store and picking out sort of the dozen truffles that you want. It's like it's an experience. It's done with another person and just that choice. The choice is the personalization. You know, I think we overcomplicate things and throw technology at things that sometimes it's not necessary. I agree with you. I think the one thing right now is because of our limitations with brick and mortar as far as foot traffic, et cetera, and people just until recently didn't want to go into a store. I think that the substitute is, of course, the web, our website. And I think in the future, I envision this to be a virtual experience where you'd actually go and shop in the store and you would load up your own virtual box and then it would be packaged up at our company and then it'd be sent to you as you wanted. It'd be fun. I can't wait. That's the thing is the excitement. It's like I want to interact with the people and I want them to feel that they really have gotten something that's totally different out there, you know, and it's, it's truly luxury. It's something that's innovative. Yeah. I feel like we're in a period of tremendous innovation. I mean, historically, innovation comes or is a byproduct of crises. I think the innovation that we're seeing is really going to reshape the beauty and wellness category in a way that like it doesn't look like what it does today. You know, what excites you the most about the current state of the industry? Well, as far as our perspective is that there's consumers out there. They're the ones that are telling us we need an Oculus Beauty Labs. They're the ones that are telling us we've had all these other big luxury brands, but they're not giving us what we really want. And I think that by what excites me is the consumer. Consumers, they're more knowledgeable now than they've ever been. They know ingredients better than they've ever known. They're willing to try cool things. There's this whole adventurous group out there. And the bottom line, of course, it always has to be safe and it has to be effective. And as long as you continue to cater to them and hold their hand and make them feel like they're precious, they will fall in love with your brand. And I think that it's the consumer that's really excites me. Well, Dr. Rob, thank you so much for sharing this journey with us. And I'm so excited to see how this brand unfolds because it's become more rare where you get a brand that kind of makes you stop and be like, wow, I haven't seen this before. And then actually deliver on the product, right? Because you have to deliver the results, but you definitely achieve that as well. So congratulations. Thank you. And you haven't seen anything yet. Then wait till you see what we come up with in the future. It's going to be amazing. I look forward to it. For Dr. Rob, it's a matter of intuition. After leaving L'Oreal, Dr. Rob said he started to dream in color again, and he was able to reimagine skincare. He was looking for innovation within the space, but there really wasn't very much. And then inspiration hit in a fancy Paris chocolate shop. Following his intuition, he built a cohort of industry experts and out-of-the-box thinkers, representing expertise in R&D, science, engineering, manufacturing, education, and experience, to develop his chocolate shop inspiration into a new way of formulating, manufacturing, and delivering highly efficacious science-based skincare. Opulous Beauty Labs is the result of deep knowledge and wild imagination that has just begun reinventing high-performance beauty. So in the end, it's a matter of intuition, and that's what matters. I'm Kelly Kovac. See you next time. 
Hi, I'm Dr. Rob, and for me, it's a matter of intuition. And that's because you have to really listen to your customer and intuitively know what they're asking for. And at Oculus Beauty Labs, we've done that. It's a Matter Of is a production of Beauty Matter LLC. You can find more content and insights on beautymatter.com and follow us on social media at Beauty Matter Official. This is Mouth Media Network, audio for business.